I also would like to remind everybody that is um, Tuesday is election day. And number one, I'm glad it's finally going to be over with. Whew, my Lord. But having said that, as a Christian and also as an American, if you haven't already done so, I've done done cast is mine, but you need to vote. You need to vote, and you need to pray about it, because I'll, I'll say it this way, and I'm going to make no bones about it. The wrong, the wrong kind of people in power could cast us head, lay, head on into the tribulation time. We're at that, we're at that period. We're at that period. And so pray before you vote. As I stood behind them curtains, I prayed before I voted. And every time I, every time I, uh, I clicked and voted for something else, I'd say, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Uh, I'm, I'm still one of them old schoolers who believes in including Jesus in everything you do. Wouldn't you think the world would be a whole lot better off if everybody would do that? Amen. Hallelujah. A whole lot better off. Um, the message that I want to bring this morning, I have I have gotten some confirmation before service started earlier already that um, I'm running in the vein that God wants to be in. Um, I've had this message and was going to um, use it before, uh, but, um, well, I guess, I guess last Sunday night, I believe, but um, everybody uh, surprised me and we wound up not having a Sunday night service last, last week. And I want to thank you and everybody for uh, your, uh, uh, what you did uh, in honor and, uh, and uh, showing appreciation of our celebrating 50 years in the, in the ministry. And I give all glory to God because I know I never could have made it this far without him. So, I, as I prayed, the Lord had spoken to me that this is the message for this morning. And I believe everybody has questions about things that we have to go through in life. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, Life is not fair. If you're expecting to ever get to a point and a level and a place in this world that everything happens to you is going to be right and it's going to be fair, you just was hanging up. You ain't going to never get there. But I'm so glad 
those of us that know the Lord, we carry around an ace in the hole. <laughs> Glory. Hallelujah. We got, we got, we got something and somebody that's going to always be at our back. So I want you to give me the next few minutes because I believe God wants to help somebody today. I'm going to be going, first of all, the first Peter, the first chapter. And we're going to read verses 3 through 7 as our Scripture reference and opening text. First Peter 1, verses 3 through 7. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be. Notice there it said, if need be. You have been grieved by various trials. And this is the reason, verse 7, for the trials that you go through that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by far, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation, that means the coming, of Jesus Christ. <coughs> I'm going to read verse 7 again with another translation, God's Word's translation. Look at how verse 7 is translated. The purpose of these troubles, and these are troubles that you go through every day in your life, the purpose of these troubles is to test your faith as far as Test how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold. And by passing the test, look at somebody right now and say, I've got to pass the test. Oh, God. Behind this desk, be a vessel for God to speak through me. That's right. But I'm trembling inside now because I know the Lord, if He was standing here 
right now what I'm telling you. This is what he would speak to this congregation because he wants some people to hear this right now. Oh, hallelujah. Your faith is more precious than gold. And by passing the test, he gives praise, glory, and honor to God. This will happen when Jesus Christ appears again. Let's pray, Lord. We come to you today so unworthy, so unworthy of your love, so unworthy of your grace. But we come to you as your children, telling you even though we believe you and even though we trust you, there are times that life and the things that we go through become so difficult. But God, we know, even though we may not understand everything, we know everything that happens to us on an individual basis is by design from you. And so we trust you, Lord, and we accept whatever you decide for us to go through. Because we know the judge of all the earth will do right. In Jesus' name, let the church say. My message today is a statement that simply states this. Nobody likes exams. I've never liked any kind of exam. Plastic gloves are well, it's nice to see you, Mr. Pruitt. <laughs> I don't like the exam. I don't think nobody does. There are always those times when it seems that Satan is getting the best of us. I've been there. I'm your pastor. And I tell you, there's been plenty of times in my life that I thought that Satan was getting the better hand of me. Sometimes it's a little hard to maintain your faith 
and trust in God when everything is going against us and we are in the middle of one of the greatest battles of our life. It is in those times that we need the Lord more than ever. It is in those times that our faith and trust in God is really put to the test. This is where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, in our walk with the Lord. It's easy to live for God and trust Him when all is well. But it's not so easy when you feel the weight of the world literally resting on your shoulders. If your life is in the middle of turmoil, And the waves of temptation are about to swamp you. Look up. Put your trust in God. For that is the moment that he is really putting your faith to the test to see if you will pass or fail. This is the moment when your trust is built. This is the moment that your relationship with God will really show its true depth and become solidified. I can remember those old school days. As I've already mentioned, when we knew exam day was coming, anxiety, intimidation, and just pure dread were just a few of the negative emotions we always went through. But there was one teacher who could calm us by assuring us that we had more in us than what we realized and it would come out when we needed it. And let me say to somebody today, you're God's child. And because you're God's child, He's put a whole lot more in you than what you realize is there. I've got everything I need right inside me when God filled me with the Holy Ghost. There ain't nothing that come on me that can take me down and take me out because God has already given me all. I need to succeed. If you believe that, give him praise. Anybody ever heard about Gatorade? It's not what you are thinking. But this is the Gatorade I'm talking about. You can find this recorded in history. And what I'm talking about, Gator Aid, it was given to enlisted men in the state of Florida during training camp as they were preparing preparing to go off to World War II. Hallelujah. Some of you are old enough in here to remember World War II. 
Some of you might be old enough to remember the Revolutionary War. Well, I don't know. I'll not take that no further. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory. But this happened in World War II. This is a true story. The daily training for the GIs included a run through an obstacle course. I'm sure Brother Bobby's been through some of those. On the final stretch of the endurance test, they had to grab a rope and swing across a broad uh, bit of water. Now remember, this was in Florida. And the weather was very, very warm. And they've already been through a long course. And this was the final thing of the course where they took this rope and had to swing and go across. Well, under the blazing hot southern sun, the water looked so inviting to those soldiers that the men, most all of them, soon develop a habit of making it only halfway across. I mean, they would intentionally let go of the rope so they could fall in the water because they were just about dead and exhausted from the heat and they wanted to just get cooled off. And that's what happened. <laughs> but listen to the rest of this story. There was a lieutenant... He was very enterprising, to say the least. This lieutenant came up with an idea so these soldiers would quit only going halfway across that, that body of water and make it to the other side. Unbeknown to them all, being in Florida, it wasn't hard to do the lieutenant made a new home for this water for a large alligator. And one night when everybody else was in the barracks at rest sleeping, he turned loose that gator in that body of water. From that day on, the recruits left the ground about 15 feet from the water's edge and fell sprawling in the dust on the other side. Not one of them hit the water. That was what is known as Gatorade. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That extra up to get you through the complete test. Come on, somebody. Likewise, our behavior as Christians must sometimes be shaped by the encouragement of the danger of unfavorable conditions and circumstances. Without God's loving correction and faithful discipline, we would never develop spiritual strength and endurance. Amen. It wouldn't be for me and it wouldn't be for you. That's why one pastor, one time when I heard him make, made a statement, I said, this man don't even need to be pastor of the church. 
when he got up and told his people, don't worry about holiness, because holiness would eventually come take care of yourself, like holiness is something natural. Holiness ain't, ain't natural. You can be in the church for 20 years and your flesh is still going to make you reject holiness. Hallelujah. If the Lord didn't permit threatening conditions to come into our lives, we'd soon succumb to feelings of self-sufficiency and overconfidence. So now the exam is on. The question is not one of survival, but whether you will pass the test or fail. If you pass your your pass, your faith and trust will grow stronger. If you fail, you will abandon the ways of righteousness and turn your back on God and put everything in your life in jeopardy or you will face similar trials again down the road until you learn the lesson of faith and trust. If you're a child of God and you you give up on this test, this exam, and don't take it, amen, because you you feel like it's too much pressure, you better look out because God's going to have another one right down the road. The choice to fail or pass is our choice alone. God will not force our decision one way or another because he wants us to learn and to grow in him. Now, I'm going to talk about two areas dealing with this. Bear with me, and we will finish this up. Number one, I want to talk about surrendering to God's perfect will. The will of God, and you've heard me teach on this, the will of God has two aspects about it. When you talk about the will of God, you've got to ascertain whether you're talking about his perfect will or his permissive will. Amen. God's got a perfect will, a perfect divine will, and he's got a permissive will. And I use this when I talk about this. One one biblical example of others are there. One biblical example of God's permissive will is where the scripture says God is not willing that any perish but that all come to repentance. But he will permit it if you fail to accept his free offer of salvation. So it's not hard to decide really what side of God's will you want to be on. And we've got to learn to surrender to God's perfect will. And so there are going to be exams come our way just to see how willing we're able to do that and to submit to that. One of the necessary reasons for exams is to ascertain the level of knowledge and your rate of progress. When we begin our spiritual journey, we are spiritually illiterate. 
every one of us, when we first started our spiritual journey, we were completely illiterate to the spirit world. The Bible says the natural man perceiveth not the spiritual things of God. After the initial encounter with the spirit and the rush it brings a few days you will settle down and your flesh goes into shock because the new life you have encountered is beginning to come into conflict with the old self and its carnal ways. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Come back later. Go back to the night. You haven't encountered God. You received a rush beyond no other. You felt I wish I could tell you that that, ex- that feeling would last forever, but it don't. It, it, it's longer for some, shorter for others. I've had people come up to me after they start having an encounter with God and say, Pastor Pruitt, anything, anything you want done in the church, you let me know and I'm going to be there. I'm going I'm to be right there. Day comes, I need something, I'm looking around. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you where they at. That new encounter of God came direct into conflict with that old carnal nature that's, that we still got to deal with. And that old carnal man says, well, you don't have to get that involved. Hello, somebody. Glory. Let me go on. I want to finish this. So when we begin that spiritual journey, we are spiritually illiterate, but we get a rush after our first encounter. But it don't take but a few days for all that to settle down and your flesh goes into shock because of the new life you've encountered is beginning to come into conflict with the old self and the carnal ways. To be successful in your Christian life, God begins to instruct you in righteousness and learning to submit to His perfect will. Sooner or later, an exam is going to come to test you what you've learned and ascertain your rate of progress. Just like they test in school to see how much you've progressed You're going to get some progress tests here and there. Hallelujah. It's going to happen. Such as it was with Abraham when God demanded him to lay down his only son Isaac. It happened for Abraham and it will happen to you. Go back and read it and say God did test Abraham. But let's look at Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, 
but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, prove, prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Some of you are making it harder on your own self because you're not submitting fully to his perfect will yet. I'm not saying you're not a child of God. You're still a child of God. Because you're a child of God means you're still enrolled in class. You ain't And if I need help, tutoring's always available. That's what you're getting this morning is tutoring. So I guess all those people that laid out of church feels like they don't need no tutoring. 
I still have to be tutor my own self. Number two, exams come to unify our heart. <clears throat> what do I mean by that? Unifying your heart. Let's look at Hosea chapter 10 and verse 2. Their heart, you're talking about the Israelites here. He said their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars and shall spoil their images. In other words, God's telling Israel, time for you to have an exam. Those altars that Jehovah said he was going to tear down, it wasn't the altar that was erected to him. It was the altars that they had built on their own to other gods. He said, you got a divided heart. So it's, it's, it's exam time. We got to unify your heart. God said, we got to make sure that you ain't got it all divided for this thing and that thing and the other thing. God says, in the center of your heart, there's a throne. But when I sit in it, I take it up. There's no room for nobody else in this chair when I'm in it. You hear what I'm saying? That throne chair in your heart is there for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you a question. Whoever or whatever you got sitting in that chair... When are you going to kick him out and say, that belongs to the Lord? That's his song. I want him to feel comfortable living in me. I want him to feel welcome living in me. Oh, glory to God. Lord, this is your throne. God says, all right, when, by the time this exam's over with, You'll have everything else put out of there so I can sit down in my rightful place. Amen. There's another reason for the faith exams in our lives, and that is to unify our hearts. According to Mr. Webster, unify means to make or cause to become a single unit. In other words, your heart can't have any other lovers but Jesus. You can't grow in Christ and have a divided heart. One side leaning towards sin and the world and the other side sold out to Jesus. It just don't work that way. You're either sold out or you're not. 
So somewhere along the way, an exam will come your way to test the condition of your heart. Psalms 9 and 1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with some of my heart. I will praise thee, O Lord, with a portion of my heart. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Psalm 17 and 3. Thou hast proved my heart. Thou hast visited me in the night. Thou hast tried me. Thou shalt find nothing. I am purposed that my mouth shall not transgress. One final scripture and I'm going to close. Psalms 26 and 2. Read it. One more time. Let's all together. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my reins and my heart. Hallelujah. So the purpose... of the troubles you're going through are not meant to destroy you but are there to prove you to test you because I promise you one day I promise you one day I still can remember all three children and the day they graduated diplomas were handed out I guarantee you there was a proud mama and papa close by just swelling with Because when I watched it, I thought about those hard times in life, the things I had to do to see this day for them. I've seen the times that I would work 12, 16 hours a day so they could be fed and clothed. You get them to that point. It wasn't an easy task. I don't know what in the world we'd done. If, if we had to raise them now as high as things is now, man, I feel sorry for parents today for sure. But let me tell you something. On that day, when you're sitting there 
and you're ready to hear your name called. And it gets called one at a time. There's going to be somebody there beaming with pride. And he's going to be thinking, I let them beat me with a cat of nine tails till the flesh was hanging off my body. To see them come up to this graduation day. He's going to say, I care that wooden beam on that, that back that had been beat. And splinters were sticking in it now on top of that. To get them to this day that they can graduate. I laid there and allowed the soldiers to drive big spikes in my hands and in my feet. He's going to say, I went through a lot. It cost me heavily. But the word says you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So Jesus is going to be mighty proud that he opens that book. Find your name. That you made it to graduation. Everybody. Hallelujah. If anybody 